Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name's Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show and I'm recording this little intro in the present. Um, If you've been a regular listener to Beyond Busy, you'll know that I'm on a sabbatical and have been... Uh, basically recording a lot of the intros uh, back in December and then putting these episodes out um, through these few months that I'm away from work. Uh, But I'm breaking my silence a little bit and with good reason. So what I've been doing is just uh, juggling around the order of the podcasts uh, because I kind of feel like this one has just reached its moment. So this is Asher Jacobsberg, um, one of my oldest friends. So I went to school with Asher uh, up in the Midlands where we grew up. And um, the reason I really want to put this one out now is Asher spends a lot of his time working with young people and helping them to understand and experience ideas around democracy and getting young people fired up to vote. And if you're in the UK, you'll know that we're in general election mode. Uh, I found this one really inspiring to do. I've just been a real admirer of the work that Asher does um, over the last few years, uh, particularly the work that he does that he doesn't get paid for as well. So Asher spends a lot of time, as you're going to hear, being very involved in his local community and doing some really, really good stuff at local level. So I just kind of feel like he has this kind of double-edged sword thing of doing stuff that's very big and conceptual, getting young people to understand what democracy is, you know, big conceptual stuff on the one hand, and then really kind of small stuff that really matters on the other end of the scale that's very local. And I just really like that dynamic and the fact that it really feels to me like he's living out his principles and ideas and things that he really cares about. Um, I am definitely guilty of being one of those people who has political opinions from... Uh, the comfort of my armchair whilst on Facebook. It's one of the reasons I left Facebook um, a year or so ago, uh, maybe just over a year, probably about a year and a half actually now. And, um, you know, and the problem kind of shifts is Twitter, right? And I, I'm trying to try to cut back on um, the how much uh, politics I engage with on Twitter uh, for reasons of sanity. But I do think this is like just a, a major problem in 2017 is that... You know, everyone's heard all the arguments around confirmation bias and the fact that we develop these bubbles where only our own opinions are the are the things that the algorithms show us, and and it kind of reinforces our own narrative to the detriment of actually participating and debating and really thinking about opposite ideas or things that we don't agree with and stuff like that. And I think it just makes us miserable. So I think finding someone who, to me, is really finding a sense of purpose. Uh, through taking their ideas and living them was just a really interesting thing I wanted to do for Beyond Busy. And as soon as I kind of had that idea, it was like, ah, I know, I know just the guy. Um, so this is Asher Jacobsberg. Um, we recorded this a little while ago. I, I kind of feel like a lot of the guests on Beyond Busy uh, probably get really annoyed with me because I like to have a stack of episodes um, all set up and ready to go. And what that means is I can often record an episode like a long time ago and then spend six months not really talking to that person. And then suddenly I message them and go, hey, we're putting your episode out like next week. Um, So I, yeah, I kind of feel like some of the guests might um, be sort of annoyed with me by uh, this being recorded a long time ago. So this was recorded just before Christmas, um, sort of autumn, kind of towards Christmas 2016. Um, So there's a little bit of talk about things like Brexit in here, which I'm sure lots of the... Uh, debate has moved on and stuff but I just think you know uh, it, it still for me is the time to put this out right now because I just think when we're all thinking about uh, and being forced to think about quite frankly general elections and democracy and stuff that we are probably a bit tired of and didn't want to have to think about again for a while um, I just think it's a really interesting time to uh, share Asher's perspectives on this stuff so let's get straight into it here is my conversation with Asher Jacobsberg <laughs> So uh, I'm here with Asher Jacobsberg. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good to see you. And we're in the Bernie Grant Art Centre. Uh, would you say, is this Tottenham? Like, yeah, oh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. Down the road from Seven Sisters. I never know, like, Londoners are always funny with, like, the place names versus the tube stops and what is what. But this is Tottenham, right? Yeah, yeah. Seven Sisters doesn't seem to get called Seven Sisters that much. I mean, the station's well known, but actually the area's probably yeah. more known as South Tottenham. But right. I was with yeah. someone the other week and I got out of Clapham Junction and then he was like, no, we're in Battersea. Right. I was like, I've just got out of Clapham Junction. <laughs> but that's kind of London for you. Um, so uh, welcome to Beyond Busy. And um, I wanted to talk to you about just the, just the range of work that you do. So you do like 
seems like you wear lots of different hats and have uh, lots of different strings to your bow. Um, so let's kick off just by um, talking a bit about the work that you do in schools and smart school councils. Sure. So um, smart school councils is a, a different way of educating for democracy, I would say. Almost every school these days have a school council, but unfortunately, I think the lessons that they teach the vast majority of young people uh, can be quite negative. They can do really, really good things for for some people, um, but often the people that get involved with them are people who already have quite a lot of social capital. They've already got good public speaking skills. They're confident, um, maybe academic. And I think those school councils can do a great job at training training those people up to get more involved in society, more involved in democracy, maybe even in politics. But I guess what we're saying is it's not them that really need the help. What we should be doing, what we should be doing in a democracy, is ensuring that everybody is given those skills, everybody is given those opportunities, and that those people who don't typically take those opportunities are given extra help. Um, so smart school councils came about through years of working in schools with traditional school councils, and I guess just becoming a bit disillusioned with the fact that whilst many of these school councils were doing great things, the people that we were working with were very similar kind of people, and that what we're really looking to do is see how we can broaden those experiences to everybody in the school, and everybody in every school, obviously, yeah. ideally. Um, so we train teachers, we write resources to help teachers, to help students to become more involved in the running of their schools, essentially, and to show them that whatever they're doing in society plays a role, that that's what democracy is about. Democracy isn't about voting. Um, it's not about being a member of a political party, although those, are, those things can, can be important. It's actually about feeling that you have ownership of your community, understanding that what you do within your community has an impact and having the skills to be able to change the community in a way to make it work better for you. And I guess it's, you know, in a school context, it's about saying it's not just a small group of people who are there to, to shape change in the school or make things happen in the school. It's actually, it's about everybody being able to participate that in different ways and kind of looking at what the levers are that people can push or pull to make that stuff happen, right? Absolutely. And, and also, really importantly, that it takes effort. Changing things isn't the responsibility of one group. In a democracy, everybody has the, the opportunity to make change. But, of course, not everybody will. And the main reason why not everybody will is because it takes effort. Uh, and schools... Well, all, 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 you know, if we look at if we look at the way we think of what democracy is typically running in a town context, we say, well, there's the local council. We're going to tell them what to do, and either they'll do it or they won't do it. Um, and then we get frustrated. Well, democracy doesn't work because they don't do the things that I tell them to do. Well, actually, I guess part of what we're trying to say is you need to take some responsibility for that yourself, and the the context, the school or the town council or whatever it is, should facilitate you to do these things yourself, not do them all for you. Yeah, um, yeah. And that actually you don't learn very much if all you're doing with your school council is petitioning other people mm. to do things for yeah. you. What you learn is that the only things that get done are the things which the people who are going to do the work actually agree with anyway. Um, and so what we're trying to encourage is for young people to be given the training and the skills and the opportunity to put some effort into those things which matter to them, even though those things may seem trivial. Some of them may be very weighty and very important. Other things may seem very trivial. But actually, I think the skills that somebody learns through, let's say, setting up a Harry Potter Appreciation Society can be just the same as people who want to uh, change the way French is taught within the school. We might think of one of them as being really core to the business of the school and the other one being very peripheral. But, you know, 
through learning how to advertise things, how to motivate people, how to get the resources together, how to uh, keep people interested and keep people motivated. Those kind of skills are the skills that you need for community organising or running a business or managing your family. You know, the, 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 um, and you will learn the same skills, whatever you're doing. Uh, and so I guess it's partly about shifting what schools are trying to do with uh, their school councils to learning skills, uh, showing everybody that they can have an impact rather than focusing on the kind of outcomes and saying, well, we raised £1,500 for charity or the school council won this prize or mm. uh, presented at this event. You know, those things have some value, but actually as a learning institution, a school should be thinking about how does it teach skills, useful skills, to all the pupils in the school. And so that's what our model is, a, is about, and that's what the charity is there to do, to yeah, encourage more people to, to become actively kind of constructively engaged in their community and give them the skills to do that yeah and uh i mean i totally endorse that whole thing about you know one of the ways you can really learn skills is by you know things like volunteering or setting up the harry potter society mm. or whatever else the thing is and just i feel like through school and university the my main lessons were all the things that i did outside of the main curriculum right you know just like run, running music nights and being in a band and having a fanzine and you know, and then volunteering and, and, and playing leadership roles with groups of volunteers and stuff, all as a volunteer myself and, and whatever. And I think those things are really important. And uh, I guess one thing we could say at the beginning of this is like me and you go back a long way because I think you actually, did you nominate me to be on the school council with you at our school? Yeah. I think that was how that came out. And at the time I was like a bit of a sort of strange, truant character at times and like sort of organising gig nights and not actually doing that well academically and... Uh, various other things um so is like is your passion around school councils fueled by your own experience of being on a school council albeit a very uh it was a fledgling uh pilot exercise uh in many ways wasn't it that um one at lawrence sheriff at our school but uh, is that is that where you got interested in the idea of this actually no <laughs> um no i mean it, it, quite i mean yeah we i did nominate you to be on what was i think it, I think it was maybe called the Student Executive Committee or something like that, or yeah, the Sixth Form right. Committee. And, yeah, it was, it was not in any way democratic. Uh, we <laughs> were, the, head, the, head, the head boys <laughs> were chosen by the staff. Yeah. And then we were asked to choose um, uh, a council. And, yeah, I, I took the view that I wanted people who I thought represented lots of different groups within the school and were interesting. And, and, so, and although... At the time, you and I weren't good friends. You were somebody that I, I, I respected a lot. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why I sort of nominated you. But in fact, when I was asked to be the head boy as already a politically minded sort of person, I, yeah. I uh, asked the deputy head at the time, you know, well, what, what responsibility would I have? Why would, you know... Um, and he said, well, none really. You know, I said, well, I, I'm, I'm not very interested in that. I, you know, I want to be able to represent the, uh, the students... And I feel the student should be represented. And he said, well, it, it will look good on your uh, university application form. Um, are you sure you want to turn it down? And I said, no, OK, right, I'll do it. <laughs> and um, but then we did argue for actually elected um, members of the, of, of the student council. And that next year, the staff then chose the committee and the committee or, or the students were allowed to, to elect the head boy from amongst the committee. Oh, right, okay. And I was asked to fix it that if a particular person, I don't remember who he was, if he wasn't elected in the first, as, as the head boy or the vice head boy, I was to, as the, the returning officer, I was to return him as the head wow. boy nonetheless. Yeah, as it happened, it, it, he, he, he came first or second and I didn't need to do it. But um, yeah, so anyway, I, we, we had this, yeah, this thing at school and, and then uh, after I'd finished university, I worked for a youth organisation for a couple of years and then... I was asked by a charity to do a research project. Citizenship education was just coming into schools at the time. And it was to go around schools and find out what was working in terms of uh, school councils, student voice in schools. And in this consultation paper from the DfE, um, or it was called the Department for Children's Schools and Families at the time, 
three schools were mentioned as having particularly good practice. Yeah. Um, and one of them was our school. Oh, really? Um, and it was like, well, that's... Because, in fact, I sat down with the, the chief executive of the charity and she said to me, so I want you to do this research project about school councils. And I said, I don't know what a school council is. Um, and she explained it to me. And I said, oh, no, we... I told her a little bit about our experience at school. And then she handed me the consultation paper that I was supposed to be responding to. And, and our school council was, uh, our school was one of the, the ones cited for something that I had suggested and that we took part in, which was interviewing, oh, interviewing the, the, the head. Oh, yeah. And that was seen as really kind yeah. of uh, out there, um, forward thinking kind of practice. Yeah. Um, so, it w- I didn't get into school councils because of my experience, some you know, quite negative experiences, really, of school councils at, at, at school, because I didn't really realise that's what was going on. And equally, I think I didn't get into education about democracy because of being involved in a democratic youth movement, because it was, it was, a, it was a Jewish youth movement, primarily, but it was run along democratic principles. So everybody in the youth movement were young people, uh, we were running summer camps and things at 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, and it just seemed to me the way things should be done. And just as at school, yeah. it seemed to me like it, that we should have had a voice uh, as young people, in, as, as the, the, the constituency of the school. And I think some of that came through being involved in this youth movement where it was just kind of the unspoken thing that things were decided upon democratically. It came from my parents who were, again, never involved in political parties but were political in their outlook and in the way they spoke about things and and you know and I think it's really important that we have that broader view of of what democracy is that if we think it's just about politics if we think it's just about voting then we miss the point and we get to the situation where I think we are now where people feel they say they're disillusioned with democracy, and of course they're not disillusioned. You know, they don't want to have any fewer rights. They are disillusioned with politics, mm. um, and 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 they take that out, and so you end up with this situation where you have these kind of anti-political things. You know, we've had enough of experts or Donald Trump stuff and this kind of thing, and of course these people are, are not really advocating for living in an autocracy. They're not really. They don't really want a dictator. We've pulled those two ideas together so closely, politics and democracy, that when we want to reject what we see as the kind of um, mistrust in politicians or, or, or the kind of cosy relationship between politicians and business or whatever, we, we, we end up almost rejecting democracy as a whole. Um, and so, yeah, that's what we're trying to combat in a very yeah, small way. And so... Um I think that's just really interesting, and I think I think I'm also probably guilty of of viewing democracy through that very small lens of sort of Westminster democracy, and not thinking about it in a what can I do as a citizen, what should I do as a citizen, in general terms. So I just I think that's just you know something that we probably all fall into from time to time with busy lives as well. It's just one of those things that it, that's the visible part of democracy that you see, isn't it? Is is kind of Nick Robinson on the BBC explaining what happened that week in the House of Commons or whatever, whereas, whereas actually it's a much, you know, it needs to be a much, much more broad definition than that, I guess. Mm, absolutely. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, as you know, I'm a politic geek and I, and I love that stuff and, I, and I'm very interested in, in the structures of, of, of national and local and supranational politics. But, yeah, we just have to understand it as being much, understand democracy as being much broader than that. I'm having all this chat about local council, it sounds like they're doing the bins right outside <laughs> your office. As yeah, we, yeah. As we chat here. Um, so um, uh, Smart School Councils is the charity um, mm-hmm. that you work for, and then you also have a, a social enterprise called, called Involver as well, mm-hmm. uh, where you're doing similar work. Um, and then uh, I suppose the other sort of uh, strings to your bow being the Lordship Hub Co-op, um, which we'll talk about, and mm-hmm. also you're the chairman of governors at uh, one of your local primary schools as well so yeah. uh, I mean I'm just fascinated by just how you draw some of the boundaries around that in terms of time but um, tell me first of all just about um, the Lordship Hub co-op and uh, what you're doing there and how did, how did that come about? Well I guess with, with that and the school governor stuff it relates very much to kind of what I was saying before is if you see democracy as about asking other people to do stuff for you then 
there's no reason to get involved in these other kind of things. But I, I don't. I'm, I have a great interest in education. So how do I get involved in education? Well, I can become a school governor. That's, that's one way. Um, I have a big interest in my local area and trying to help my local area um, make it you know, more interesting and exciting and, uh, uh, and accessible. And so Lordship Hub Co-op came through that. It was, I was on the, the mailing list for uh, the Friends of Lordship Wreck, which is a park right next to where I live. Um, uh, and the Friends have been doing fantastic work, but I'd never been involved. You know, I, I enjoyed the park. I go there all the time. It's one of the best things about the area that we live in. Um, and I'd seen that lots of changes were going on in the park. I was paying minimal kind of attention to it. Um, but it actually turned out that what it was was the friends group, so local people working with the local council to get a huge amount of funding from the Heritage Lottery Fund and really uh, reinvigorate the park and do all kinds of great work in the park. And one of the things they did was build uh, a new community centre with a cafe and public toilets and, and this kind of thing, all eco-build, solar panels and grass roof and straw bale construction, very fantastic building. And my daughter and I would see this being built as we cycled through um, the park to to nursery and school. Uh, and then it sat there unused for almost two years. Hmm. And and it was just like, well, what, what's going on? This is really frustrating. And you think, oh, God, is it, the council's so rubbish. Haringey council's, Whoa. you know, why, you know, and then I think, oh, the friends are, you know, why aren't the friends doing anything about this? The friends of the park, you know. What a waste, always oh, wasting this money. And so I started reading the emails a bit more carefully and I saw that actually the, the council was trying to get somebody to lease this building. There was a covenant that the building should be for community use, quite rightly, because that's what it had been paid for. The person that they tried to lease it to then didn't want to allow part of the building to be used for community use. And so the friends were saying, well, what should we do? And I, you know, I, get, I thought, well, I shouldn't just sit on the sidelines saying this is frustrating for me, and why, you know, why don't other people sort it out? What can I do to, to help? Um, so I went along to the meeting to find out. We discussed it. Um, suggested, possibly by me, that, well, what? Why don't we run it? Um, you know, why? Why, why doesn't the local community run it? And so we being a load of people presumably with not that much time on their hands and jobs and, and families and, and everything else, And not really else, much right? in common so like, other than yeah, the fact that, yeah. that we all like going to the park. Yeah. Um, and uh, the people who were very involved with the, the friends, some fantastic people said, look, you don't understand how much work it's been to get to this point. There's no way we, we can take this on. Um, and I said, okay, fair enough, you know. Um, we kept meeting up and, and I started then coming along more frequently to the meetings and other people had been motivated in the same way. And eventually we said, well, maybe we, maybe this is the only way to do it. Maybe this is, you know, it to, if we really want this to be a community space, we want this to be free for lots of community groups. There's loads of different groups organising in the park. We want it to be free to them. There's all this, there's all this goodwill. How can we capitalise on that? You know, if any private person takes this over the um, private business How, they won't be able to get people in as volunteers they won't be able to offer the space in the same way and so we set up a cooperative to to take it on and persuaded the council that we were the best people to do it and we've been running that for over two years now and uh, I'm not running it on a day-to-day -day basis but I help with the website and the finances and every night I'm working on something to do with the hub whether it's yeah. the weekly newsletter yeah um banking and and financial planning and uh uh um updating the website staffing issues the, these kind of things and there's you know there's a, we have a board who all take on a number of different roles and and then there's 30 odd volunteers as well doing all kinds yeah. of um things from staffing the cafe to uh, you know, bookkeeping or updating social media and this kind of stuff. And so there we have something which is absolutely not political in terms of big P politics. It's got nothing to do with the council anymore, except for the fact that they own the building and haven't yet given us the 
lease. Um, <laughs> we, oh, so ridiculous trying to negotiate. Like, council is just everybody we deal with gets made redundant oh, within. A, yeah. You know, it's just like, as is happening to local authorities all yeah. over. You know, it's not through lack of care or lack of interest but just lack of money mm. and um yeah so the the least negotiation we've been operating as i say for for years but without the full lease um uh yeah so i yeah so there's all kinds of people involved in you know including you know lawyers offer uh, operating pro bono for us and uh, and you know people you know doing all kinds of different things and and it brings the community together but also i think really importantly shows people in the community that we can do something we can you know that, that we don't need to just kind of be annoyed with um uh with what the council is doing and 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 fume over a pint mm. or uh you know just choose to vote for somebody different the next time actually you can say well no, there are things going wrong, and you know the friends took the view. The park, there were problems with Lordship Wreck, and they put a huge amount of effort into fixing it up, making it nicer, making it more welcoming, getting wide group, of, you know, much wider group of people from the community involved. And so then that bleeds into everything else in your life as well, I think. And you can say, oh well, we did this. I was involved in that, or maybe even not. I was involved, but I see other people are involved yeah, in that, yeah. and so maybe I should do the same. Same kind of thing. And so, yeah, I, I would like people to be learning that at school. So I try and put it into action uh, in my personal life as well. And, um, uh, yeah, and so the, the, I, I see it all as part as of the, part, yeah, the same, part of the same thing. thing. And, I mean, I suppose, you know, thinking about Lordship Wreck Harbour in that way, like, I mean, it's hugely inspiring the idea of, just a bunch of people in the community who, as you said, don't necessarily have loads in common or don't know each other that well or whatever, but have this shared purpose about let's make this space good and like let's be the people who make that happen. And I suppose two years down the line, it's working and it's open and it's, you know, you're making that stuff more, more accessible. But the month, you know, the month before it opened or, you know, for the for the period before, before it opened, trying to persuade the local council that you are the best people to run it and that a private business that has other cafe sites and, you know, could just as easily come in and do this and make some small concessions mm. around mm. community space or whatever. Presumably that's a tough sell to the council. So what what was the what was that journey like and what were the, what were the things that worked for you in, in sort of making that case? I mean, whilst, whilst we, we, you know, we've always had a good relationship with the council and... Um, that, you know, that although the co-op is separate from the friends, it very much grew out of the friends, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of goodwill. Uh, and I don't want to kind of um, undermine Harringay Council that there's lots of things that they don't get right. But you know, same same can be said for all of. Um, but we did. We had to. We you know we put together a ninety page business plan. We did all kinds of financial models and um, you know getting in advice from uh, different people about how to set up the cooperative and uh, and this kind of thing lots of meetings with the council bringing them in also appealing to the funders and so on and saying look if this goes to anybody else mm. then what you you know what you funded won't be delivered um so yeah there was, there was a there was a huge amount of work and it was a it was a long slog but also it was about trying to get as many people as possible to take on different parts of that and then it was about you know identifying different people's skills who can you know there are people who are very interested and able in looking at the environmental side of things but would have no you know no interest really in in doing the financial projections and so you take on those and kind vice of, versa yeah yeah exactly yeah, and you take on those different bits and you try and uh, get people to play to their strengths and and yeah so ultimately it was about making the case. On a, on a whole load of different fronts. On the one, on, on the you know, for, in terms of the funders, making a case on a, a social front, but I guess also on a financial front. From the council, you know, I, I guess. Yeah, so maybe maybe it was the same front for or, or the same v selection of fronts for different people. But we had to show that it was going to be financially viable with us running it. We had to show how we were going to be the best option for the community. Um, how 
the kind of social impact that we could have would be greater than for anybody else. Um, and and also that it would be sustainable um, that this can keep on going. And hopefully that's one of the strengths of a cooperative is yeah. that it doesn't or shouldn't rely on any individual. Um, and typically cooperatives survive a lot longer than other types of business. Okay. They don't have this... Uh, hmm. According to research from Cooperatives UK, right. at least. Well, but, they uh, might say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, the, That's interesting. Yeah, the, I, I guess, you know, with the startup kind of mentality, you know, fail uh, fail often, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the, um, and with a cooperative, you've got a whole load of people who've bought into making this thing a success. And, you know, for us, it's the only thing we can do. There's, we can't take Lordship Hub Co-op and go and set up another business. It doesn't, you know, it, mm-hmm. there's, it, yeah. we, we, um, it exists purely to make this building work and make this building work for the community. Um, if we were to do anything else, um, it would, yeah, it would fail. Yeah, you know, it's a bit like if, so. If you were Starbucks and it was your first one, you'd be thinking, and now the next park, and then next year London, and then the next year the world. And I, I guess that mentality doesn't exist with this because it's like it's actually about this place and making Lordship Wreck the best place it can be and it's about this community of people so it's a very different I guess it's a very different mentality from it being a uh, you know commercial business in that sense. Yeah and and I mean I've, I've been to meet with a couple of other community groups to give them sort of benefit of our experience mm. um, on how they can get local people involved in something, how they can make the case to the council and so on to take over um, local assets. But, yeah, not with the thought to, well, we're going to expand into your location. Mm, yeah, of course. Um, but how do we, you know, share what we've learned, um, and a lot of which has been learned through kind of <laughs> stress and difficulty and, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and say, well, you should, you should avoid this route and uh, uh, because we tried that and <laughs> it was really hard. Mm. So I'm going to come back to um, your other role, which is school governor a bit later, mm. but it sort of strikes me from that that um, your, you know, your definition of success is one that's very linked to your own personal principles and your own personal values. So I'm just interested how you how do you define success and what what do you think is important to you in terms of, you know, I know that I'm living a good life because of these particular things. I don't really know that I. It's not something I spend much time thinking about. Um, I mean, the successes in in the hub are often, you know, at the moment, very short term. Uh, are we, you know, are we managing to pay everybody's salary every yeah. month? You know, that's a success. Uh, do people like coming in and, and are they coming back? And, and is the popularity of the place growing? Um, those kind of small successes um i guess you know on, on the bigger scale as i said uh, giving people a sense that through collaborating as a community they can achieve things they can achieve big things would be um real success so not the success of the hub so much as the fact that it can facilitate other people or you know to say yeah, these things these things are possible, um, and definitely, that's how we arrived at, at running this. I think is by looking at other community-run yeah, uh, yeah. organisations and seeing, oh yeah, they yeah they they took so over that possible, that yeah. thing and, and and did it and yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I I guess there's a an egotistical thing. I like people telling me that I've done something useful. Hmm. Um, uh, it's nice because you're like the last person I would expect to answer that question by saying ego. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, honestly, that that's, that surprises me a bit. I mean, I don't. I, uh, without wanting to get too philosophical, I mean, that's my. I don't know where else I would get something from. You know, it's hmm. I'm not. I'm not motivated particularly by money. Obviously, you know, I like to be comfortable. Everybody likes to feel that they're not stressed about 
you know they're not worrying you know there's lots of people in in this area are genuinely worrying about how they pay their rent how they you know wouldn't want to be in that situation but i'm not and so i'm not interested in having a bigger and bigger house or a faster car or 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 whatever um so yeah it's 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 not you know I, i like it when people enjoy the things that i've had a a you know, I've played a part in in doing. Um, yeah, so I would call that ego. Uh, I mean, and but it, but it's also maybe I'm it's, just so that's, that's yeah. But you're you're describing that as ego, but it's kind of you know it's the praise for having created something or or done something that is very much in tune with your own principles and your own values, isn't it? And I suppose that's the that's oh, the yeah. sense of fulfilment, isn't it? Is the fact that it's like you know because someone could. Uh, give you praise for the fact that you've created advertising that encourages children to smoke when you wouldn't you know you wouldn't get an ego boost from that right yes yeah yeah no, absolutely yeah so i guess yeah so if, take the hub for for example if if the hub was financially fa- very successful but wasn't um bringing new people into the park and wasn't an enjoyable place for people to be mm. um i wouldn't I wouldn't be happy uh, with people linking that to me. Whereas, yeah, I'm very happy if they say, I love coming, you know, it's, it, I, it's always nice when I bump into people and they, and I mention the hub or whatever, and they say, oh yeah, I love that place. Um, it's not that I need them to know that I'm involved. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's my, you know, that's what, what I get. Um, something from I you know that uh that yeah seeing people I get and the most the, I mean the, the most rewarding thing is absolutely is when people kind of change when you you get the chance to change somebody's mind about something and, and you know mm. that whether that's so that feeling that they do have a say in something understanding that democracy isn't just about voting or that actually Tottenham isn't a rubbish place. There's nice things going on there. Um, you know, any, anything like that, Yeah, I, I guess, is what I... Yeah, that I get, I get some feeling of pride from. And do you feel, in some sense... Like, do you feel like, in some senses, it's harder for you to measure the success of that or whether you've achieved what you want to achieve with that? Like, it's kind of easier if it's... My goal is to make a million pounds or the hub to make a million pounds, whereas... For you, I mean, what you're really talking about is qualitative evidence of people's stories or perceptions or conversations you've had or whatever. Like, so how do you how do how do you deal with that, and how do you how do how do you keep going and stay motivated? Yeah, it's really difficult, and it's also really transitory because for as somebody who comes along and says, "Oh, this is great, I really enjoyed going there," and somebody else, the next person comes along and says, uh, "Oh, you know, I had this negative experience," and, and that then overwhelms what was you know. Or I've been in the park loads of times, so I didn't know it was there. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I, um, yeah, I kind of I see what you're getting at with your with your smart school council model, but it's not going to work in our school. And yeah, and, uh, and yeah, and, and 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 then you just think, why not? What you know, you haven't even tried, you know, and and it and it, and it gets frustrating, and I get um, kind of uh, uh, and yeah, so it can be that success can be very easily sense of success can be very easily kind of knocked, and there's definitely a, a part of me. Like one of the things that I quite like about small organizations is that I get to turn my hand to everything um and there's something very nice about like when I'm doing the finances for one of these organizations or whatever and you you produce a month-end report and it's finished and you know once you've yeah. produced you know I like spreadsheets like that you know you, you've got right I've put all the information in there I've got these results and there's nothing more I can do with that uh, I can send that out to everybody and they have the information that they need and that's a very sort of fixed thing when and also probably half the time you're the first person who's managed to achieve the <laughs> month end finance statement for no, a while and no, it's like that's but then you go and then you go and you and if I go into a school and I run some training yeah. you don't have that kind of neatness mm. uh, and you don't have that feeling of um, well I, I ran this training uh, and that's everything I can do you, there's always something more and you, and you never know quite what the outcome of it will be will will these teachers or young people go on and put into practice the things that you've been doing or will they uh just 
kind of ignore them. Oh yeah, we've given you ten out of ten on the feedback form, but then as soon as I've left, walked out the room, it, 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 it's all gone. Um, of course, I always get ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you know, it's uh, th- there is something nice about having these very clear kind of goals, but you know, the more kind of quantitative type of thing and, and something where it's easily finished off. But yeah, I've never been very good at setting those for mm. myself. I think. Um, yeah, well, let's follow that thread a little bit because, in terms of, you know, I mean, if you if you said who are the people in society who follow their principles and do something slightly entrepreneurial and make change happen, you get a range of people from, you know, people might say the politicians, the ones that they like or the ones that they're inspired by. <laughs> they might say someone like a, you know, a Bob Geldof Live Aid kind of figure as well, or someone who's a charity campaigner or or something along those kind of lines. Do you ever look at um, figures like that in, you know, who have inspired you and think, I want to be as successful at that stuff as they are? And like, do you have a kind of sense of what, what is, what do I want my life, where do I want to be by the, by the time I'm 65 or 70 or 80 or whatever? Like, what do you want to look back on as like the big highlights for you? I think it's, um, it's interesting that you've picked out principles because, yeah, there's something in there that I would really like for people to think of me as as somebody who kind of stuck to their principles, basically. Mm. Um, and it's weird because there there's this dogged thing, and you know, particularly in the middle of this um, uh, Labour leadership election, and and the and the great discussions about whether Corbyn is a a man of principle or whether he's you know let's kind of uh, you know that's getting in the way of everything. So yeah, it's, it's not it's, it's not clear cut for me that yeah. I will, want to be remembered simply as a man of principle, but um, I think I like to be somebody that people can rely on. Um, I really hate letting people down, so I would hate mm. to be thought of as somebody who 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 let who let people down. Um, and so the opposite of that, I guess, is you know being reliable, and part of that is having kind of clear principles. And one of the people that that motivates me is somebody who's also on the board at uh, Lordship Hub Co-op. Um, and he's been running the Friends for years and doing all kinds of things. Um, and he's, he's a, he was there's a guy called Dave Morris who was uh, part of the McLibel case. Oh, um, okay. And he lives locally and uh, is involved in everything that goes on in Tottenham. And whilst he and I don't see eye to eye on everything and, and um, uh, just his complete kind of commitment to those things that he believes in is, I think, so admirable and inspiring that, you, you know, whatever, whatever issues might get in the way, you know, you, you, you give, and I think everybody is, feels this way about Dave, and, you know, he's a real thorn in the side of some people, the council in particular, mm. um, but I think everybody... I hope at least everybody respects him and 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 knows that if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And if he yeah. and if he, um, if he's campaigning on something, it's because he really, really believes in it. Um, I'm not a campaigner in the in, in the way that he is, uh, um, but yeah, I'd like us that, that people to think of me in the same way. Not um, that that those things that I say I'm going to do I'm do and I'm, and I'm I'm nowhere near that unfortunately and I I guess that's what being successful would look like to me it was it would be just that people know they can rely on you mm. um what's uh, the nowhere near that thing you, you know the, I've just I mean for the moment I just got too much on like, right, you know, I haven't okay. I haven't done all the things that I, you know there's things at work that I said I was going to do that I haven't done there's uh events I've got running tomorrow that I haven't prepared for yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's, uh, um, you know, I've got this governing body meeting tonight and I forgot to send out one of the the, the papers for it. Um, and Are you only the chair of governors, right? So it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's lucky I went into the school when I did because yeah. the, the um, school business manager said, was the thing I sent to, through to you fine? And I said, uh, what, what thing? Said, the, 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 the budget return. Um, 
yeah, that was that was that was good. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, and I looked at it. I was like, uh, Anita, I'm really sorry. I've, I, I completely forgot to send that out. Um, and yeah, and and you know, part of my thing is trying to make sure that those meetings are um, efficiently run and that they're um, useful for the school and and accessible for the governors. And then I don't do some of the things that I mm. say I'm going to do. Um, is that because you're taking on other things like in and around those main commitments or is that that you have too many commitments in terms of you know smart school councils logic hub and the school governor position like i mean if you just did those three things could you get to a stage where i'm doing all three of those well and manage the balance of that or is it about saying you know actually like i'm just going to have a period in my life where i'm kind of overloaded here with sort of too many things um i think i'm coming to the end of that period in my life um, I wasn't so aware, but I think I've always quite liked having that overloaded thing. Mm. Um, and it's not always been useful, kind of laudable things. Sometimes it's been about going out a huge amount or, or, or whatever. Um, and I'm not sure that I can keep it up uh, that much. But yeah, so it, at the moment, I, I think it is about having too much on and never having particularly been very good at prioritising stuff. I've always been very much a last minute person. Um, uh, so you know, the newsletter I used to write at school was always produced by me working through the night huh. um, to the deadline um, that I'd done. And, and, that's, and it happened the same with everything I did at university and... and um, uh, yeah, and still now, things will tend to be, when I have a hard deadline, I will make it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't plan my time up until that point. And in fact, to some extent, I plan those hard deadlines. That's my only way of, 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 of kind of planning, really. Um, uh, so I will kind of stack those up in such a way, if, if I can, um, to ensure that I get the work done that I need to, to get done. But... Um, at the moment, I feel like I've taken on a bit too much, and that, that's partly because, I mean, this has always been the case, I'm, I have a real kind of social anxiety about saying no to stuff. Mm, um, yeah. uh, that if something needs doing and nobody else will volunteer, I feel there's an obligation on me to do it for, you know... I feel there's an obligation on everyone else, but but other people don't uh, necessarily take it up. So, you know, the, 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 uh, so you just need to have a whole generation of people who go through the stuff you do in schools and get to the <laughs> stage where like everyone else takes their fair share of everything as well, exactly. and then it'll all be okay. Um, and you were saying to me over a beer a couple of weeks ago that because we were talking about doing this interview, and you were saying productivity. I feel like I'm going through a bad phase of productivity right now. So tell me about that. I don't think I said I was going through a bad phase. I think I said I'm the least productive person you've ever come across. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I always have been. Um, uh, so I think there's two things with that. Because I think there's, so you were saying, le- le- so I would, uh, I would call bullshit on the least productive uh-huh. thing and say, you know, you can be productive in easier ways mm-hmm. or you could be productive in a way that's less stressful or less of a consequence to you. But like, you're, I mean, you were articulating there, I put the deadlines in place. Mm-hmm and use the deadlines to force productivity. Yeah. So that is, in a way, that's productive. But, like, yeah. I presume that comes at a cost to you personally and, you know, it's a stressful thing. Yeah, stress, that's exactly the, that's exactly the thing that I, 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 I don't... I seldom feel like I'm on top of everything. Mm. Um, and it does stress me out because it feels then like I'm letting people down. Um, and as I said, that's, that's kind of a big motivator. Yeah, I, 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 and I feel like at the moment I've got a, a lot of different things on which I'm kind of running to keep up. I guess, yeah, it, it, you might say it's productive in that there are lots of things that are happening, um, but I guess what I mean is I'm not kind of cool and calm about it and, yeah. and rational yeah. and, and uh, like you call me up and say, can we do this interview? And I haven't put it in my diary, so I've completely <laughs> forgotten about it. Um, uh, but then I'll squeeze it in yeah. and then it'll probably mean that well, not squeeze it in, but you know, I'll put it in, and, yeah. and then and then it will mean that there's something else that I haven't done because I just, you know, firefight. So what I was saying about having always been like this, I remember when I used to be on the, the summer camps, 
running the, these these summer camps for the Jewish youth organization. I would love being first one up and the last one to bed. Mm. And I would just say to everybody, like my job here as the kind of the person, the, like there were different people running different bits of the camps, so and my job was kind of the oversight. And I would say, I want to be the firefighter. I want to just run around all day helping you out with the little bits that have gone wrong or, or that you've forgotten. Um, and I guess I kind of, maybe I've always had that kind of mentality that I like picking up, you know, where people say, oh, I'm struggling with this. I don't know how to do this. That I will, well, let me figure it out. Let me try and do that. It's not, an, you know, arguably a much more sensible thing to do is help people plan effectively to begin with. Mm, and yeah. I mean, you know, I've always tried to do that as well. But uh, it's, and I, yeah, I'm starting to feel maybe a bit like now I need to, like just have a bit more time for myself because the other thing, I mean, with all those different things you mentioned, the one thing that was lost within there is uh, my family, and and that's something I try and take a good chunk of time for every day. You know, I pick my daughter up from school every day, try to spend time together before you know bedtime for her, and and then you know I'll often sort of work in the evening. But these days I feel very much like I don't want to work in the evening. I yeah. want to you know. I want to have a more kind of compartmentalised time where there is also some time for me to just watch TV or, you know, uh, uh, do something with Chloe, my wife. Whereas I think there was a, a period, or I'm in a period, where I've thought, sort of thought to myself, well, I've got a few hours every night where all I do is watch TV or whatever like why why should I do something so pointless yeah, when I could yeah. be maintaining the website for um, uh, for the co-op or something um, that has a, a social value it's something that I'm somewhat interested in uh, well very interested in and uh, it's it's much better for everybody than me watching TV okay. um, and uh, you know now I'm maybe starting to get to the point where actually well Actually, some of the time it's better for me to go to the cinema or to yeah, to watch a bit of TV. Or better for family to do something like that. And a lot of people, a lot of people talk about um, being addicted to being busy, and I mean, as you're talking there, that's just the mm. thing that sort of sprang to my mind. Do you think you are addicted to being busy? I th- I've always thought of myself as a really lazy person, and part you know this only working right at the very deadline yeah. you know, as part of that and yet there is that thing of I, f- I do find myself to be a bit restless sometimes and and but it's, it's again it's a kind of social I f- it's almost like I, I don't want people's disapproval I don't I, I feel like there's a, some kind of maybe a disapproval if I don't and are you consciously trying to reimagine that or change that in some way is that is that what you're saying about moving into a period of embracing the tv and the cinema and the the other things like, are you having to change your own sort of definitions of what useful time is or what 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 choices you need to make? I guess I would have to. I haven't mm, yet. Right. I still, like, if I'm, yeah. you know, if I know I've, you know, there's, a bit, like, there's so much stuff I want to be doing for smart school councils at the moment. We've you know, launched all this new stuff. There's always new resources we can be making for schools. I want to be doing those. And then I'll just watch something with Chloe and we'll, you know, we'll... Right, so part of the thing is she works all the time as well. You know, she's a uh, she's a, a senior leader in her school, and and so I guess part of the difference is she can wa- watch something on TV and work productively at the same time, and I absolutely can't. If the TV is on, I, you know, and so I say, right, okay, I'll just take an hour to watch this or whatever, and then, but whilst I'm doing that, I'm thinking, oh, I still haven't done that. I could have been creating that resource. I could have, mm. and so I'm. I think I'm doing more not doing stuff, but feeling worse about it. Yeah, uh, if, yeah. you know, that's a horribly constructed sentence. But uh. Yeah, so, I mean, that sounds like it's something that will take some time to, you know, to change and for you to sort of think about it differently. I'd love to know on the flip side of that, what what's your, how do you think about um, abundance or radical me time, like just have, having loads of time to yourself and just totally embracing kind of like take, taking as much as you can like what springs to mind when I say those words 
Yeah, I would, that sounds really, really appealing at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think for me to, to, to actually have a big shift would probably take something like leaving the country for a while mm. um, or something because the kind of awkwardness around saying to somebody, sorry, I can't do this anymore. Um, and even the, the chair of governors thing was not something I stood for. Um, it was, uh, you know, the previous chair of governors resigned and it was like, well, who's going to do it? It's like, well, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll take that on. It sounds like a little bit like it's the, the old adage of, um, if you want something done, ask a busy person. And they probably looked at you and thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and I think there's, you know, if you look at, you look at people like school governors and trustees and so on, very often it's not the only thing they do. There's, they're, they're not, um, uh, it's not the only trusteeship or governorship or whatever that, that they have. Most people are quite comfortable saying no to stuff. Um, there are some people who really love saying yes to things. And then there are, I think, a lot of us maybe who are governors and trustees and uh, volunteers and this kind of thing, who just feel really awkward saying that. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe that's just me proje- projecting my kind of uh, view on things, but I'm... As I say, I'm really bad at saying no to people. If somebody says that this needs to be done and if you don't do it, nobody else will do it. Um, uh, I, you know, um, and so I think that sort of idea of radical time off or whatever you put it was, is maybe it would maybe be the only thing that would actually get me to drop some of my commitments. So it's about like really cutting through a habit and just, you know, putting yourself in such a different place to allow mm. a new habit to develop, I yeah. guess. What, what are the things that you... Uh, what what sort of keeps you up at night? Like, what what are your big fears around uh, the work that you do? Oh, well, I guess that any one of them might fail. Uh, that you know, for the hub, there are people you know whose salaries depend on it. There's the impact that would have on the community if it if it um, didn't work. You know. Um, both in terms of the, the loss for, you know, people love going to it and, and, and so that would feel um, bad. But also the fact that the community have put a huge amount into this and if we weren't able to make something sustainable, then that would be, you know, have a negative impact, I think, on people's view of what our community and communities generally can achieve. Um, and similarly with the, the charity, I think if we, if smart school councils fails then you know uh and and failure in both of these contexts is is not just financial failure although that's one concern um it is failing in their mission you know as i say for the hub that would be to stop being community oriented for for the smart school councils it would be to produce people who were not actually interested in in further engagement um and i think those those would both be a loss to uh, to the people who, you know, to, well, to the public generally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Oddly, what keeps me up at night, in some respects, personally, despite having said that I'm not at all interested in um, money, is money. You know, mm-hmm. not not that I don't uh, like. If if I get to the point where I'm feeling skint. Um, and running small organisations and and things that happens more often than I might like, yeah. um, then I, it, it, it's not something that motivates me. But at the same time, it's something that like, I literally feel a change in my mood when uh, you know I get a text message through from the bank that says you're pretty close to your yeah, uh, yeah. overdraft yeah. limit, and I suddenly st- and I notice my mood changes and and the way I deal with everything changes. Because I guess part of your mo- part of your thing of what motivates you not being money mm. is then your motivation and I, I feel like I think about this in a quite a similar way is like your motivation around money is to really not ever have to think about money or as being the the barrier or the concern I guess and you know I'm in a, a, a lucky position with that most of the time um, I have a, a wife who earns well and I have a, a nice family background and and so it's not something that I need to concern myself with most of the time it always bothers me as well when I do get concerned about mm. it and I think you know, because also my you know the problems I have around that are so trivial compared to the problems that you know lots of other people in this area 
And it's, a, it's definitely something that bothers my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd, yeah, that I should have a, a more kind of regular income and that I should do more things which paid me an income rather than yeah. paying somebody else an income. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really inspiring chatting. And I think from my point of view, I have I share a lot of your principles and values. And often I think I'm really guilty of being the person who who is walking through the park and saying the council should sort that out so someone else to do that so i just think you know that perspective around democracy and playing an active role in this stuff you know it's certainly something that you're not only passionate about but actually just following through in your own life and you know i, I sat on a i sit on one board um the center point board and um before that sat on two others at the same time so i was on three boards and for a little while i felt like i was running myself thin being the person that, that couldn't say no to stuff and um yeah, I kind of I went through a change of pulling back from that and saying I'm going to do a lot less and try and do those things well. And now I think I'm back at the point of thinking, oh, I kind of wish I was more more like you and more involved in uh, stuff in my local area and that sort of thing, right? So it's it's difficult to get that balance. It, it, but I think that it is important to have a balance. Like it's not, it shouldn't be about that I have to do something about everything that I'm yeah, that I'm frustrated about. about. It is about picking that one or two things and thinking, you know. I'm going to do that because if everybody did that, you know, then we would all feel much happier about everything that was going on. Yeah. So I, I, I hope to learn from some of your examples as well and, uh, and manage to still stay involved, but to focus myself a bit, a bit better. Cool. Um, finally, just let everyone know where they can get in, in touch with you. And the health warning of you saying this is you have earlier in the podcast said that if someone emails you saying this needs doing and if, you're, if you don't do it, no one else will, you'll say yes. So I may be opening you up to a whole load of emails from different people here, but how, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, that's a, that is a good health warning. Um, the other health warning is that there are lots of different things depending on what you want to talk about. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so... Um, if you're interested in education and schools and you're interested in education for democracy, then the Smart School Councils community is the, the place to look. And that's uh, smartschoolcouncils.org.uk, singular school, plural councils. Um, if you're thinking about participation more generally, whether it's housing associations or um, uh, in local communities, then social enterprise, Involver, involver.org.uk. Um, and if you're in Tottenham, come along to uh, Lordship Hub Co-op. Uh, you'll find us in the middle of Lordship Rec, which is Tottenham's biggest public space. Uh, and you can find our website, which is lordshiphub.org.uk. So that's it for another episode of Beyond Busy. Thanks again to Asher. Thanks also to Mark Steadman, my producer on the show from Bloomsbury Digital. Thanks also to the Think Productive crew for their help with promotion and getting the word out there and uh, just bringing Beyond Busy to more and more people's attention. Uh, we had some figures in the other week that basically said half the people who listen to this show listen to it on the web app rather than listening to it through iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your podcast app of choice is on your phone. Um, so if you're listening to this on the web app, I would really encourage you to subscribe. So download it onto your phone, subscribe to Beyond Busy on that app. Um, that really makes a difference because it means every time we, we get a listener who's on the web app, then that's kind of ignored by iTunes and by all the all the other podcast charts and stuff like that. So um, you're not not doing me any favours by listening to it on the web app. Please do subscribe. That would make me happy. Um, I'm on Twitter if you want to connect and say hi, just at Graham Alcott. Although, inspired by this conversation with Asher and a few other conversations I've been having um, just in my life recently that I don't record, um, I have, I've kind of got this little idea and personal philosophy for the next few weeks of surviving general election madness, which is basically to spend at least as many hours taking action over the things that I care about as I do just being generally annoyed and consuming news and snarking on social media and all that sort of thing. So it means I might not be on Twitter for all of the time over the next uh, few weeks, but uh, at Graham Alcott, if you want to say hi on Twitter, 
and uh, I'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on Beyond Busy and also if you have any recommendations for guests for Beyond Busy as well um, always good to hear who you think should be on the show um, so that's it for another episode um, it, this is actually you know it's the first one I've recorded where uh, I'm actually recording the, the voiceover part really close to it going out um, in 2017 because I have been on this sabbatical period um, you can find out more about that at uh, there's a blog post explaining the sabbatical which I'll put in the show notes here uh, but it's all at grahamalcott.com if you want to go and check out uh, what that's all about and me trying to spend six months of my life getting beyond busy and experiencing life with no work uh, it's been a really interesting uh, periods. There's been lots of learning, lots of strange, unexpected things have happened, and I still don't think I've cracked it. I still kind of feel, yeah, I feel like the busyness is fading, and it feels like there's more of that that needs to happen or that could happen. Uh, so I'm just exploring and having lots of creative ideas and slightly getting frustrated at having this self-imposed exile from work, which means that I can't really put them into action. And also slightly maybe thinking that one idea is going to come along that is so powerful that I have to just end the sabbatical and and uh, just work on it straight away because it's so vital. And maybe that means I just haven't quite found the right idea yet. So that is kind of where I'm at with all that. And the uh, I suppose the final thing to say, if you're new to Beyond Busy, is that the idea of putting this podcast out is really letting you under the lid on you know just into the process of writing a book so uh, all of these podcasts really are me exploring different angles around busyness and the hamster wheel and work-life balance and the fact that we uh, often feel trapped by the work that we do even when we love the work that we do and the idea of, of exploring all these different angles with different people is to then put it together into a book and to share the whole process of that with you. So that is something that will be continuing as Beyond Busy continues. Uh, the sabbatical period is going to go through to the summer and then I'll probably start looking at the book, um, you know, in terms of the writing process of the book into the autumn. So uh, there'll be plenty more of uh, news around the book as this develops. Uh, but for now, I think I'll wrap it up. So uh, just to say thank you to everyone who has uh, connected over uh, these last few months, because I haven't been able to uh, say that. And uh, it's nice to be doing one of these uh, so close to it going out rather than using the stock stuff that I recorded before Christmas. Uh, but thanks again for being here on Beyond Busy. There'll be another episode out in two weeks' time. And until then, take care. Bye for now. Bye for now.